Hey, Gabriel Blake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? We are in our respective homes. There's still a pandemic, and every time we try to find some place, there's not a table on the street, or it's too loud to record. So we're or, just gonna be home till everything opens back up. Or there are like just fires all around, and you cannot breathe outside. You can't breathe. Yeah, no, this is just, it's not conducive to recording a podcast in a public bar right now. Yeah, I mean, but we're still like, you know, not holding our breath, but at least just hoping for better times. Yes. For this. So, what do we watch today? We watched a Michelle Gondry film called The Science of Sleep, mm-hmm. starring Gael Garcia Bernal and Charlotte Gainsbourg. You didn't know that, no? No, and I love her. Yeah, I was surprised. I think that I actually forgot about it, you know? And then I was taking the case like, holy shit, that's true. That was the neighbor, yeah? So I think that this was my pick. So uh, yeah. The, yes, yeah. it was. Your pick. Yeah, so the reason why I picked this one is because uh, when I was trying to explore movies by Michelle Gondry in the 2000s, I ran into this one and I felt like really surprised that it was not more popular. Michelle Country, I think that from an artistic direction is an amazing director, as we probably will be discussing in a moment. Uh, but at that point, when I watched it the first time, I felt weird about it, you know, but I also thought that it would be like a really good follow up from just talking about uh, being John Malkovich. I think that there is like some similitudes, not only from directing uh, Bjork's video clips, but also from the style that uh, they have comparing Spike Jones and uh, a Missile Country. So I wanted to hear your opinion about it. And you shall. Okay, so <laughs> what is this movie about? No, no, that's not even fair. That's not, you can't even describe what this film is about, but oh, I'll try. Oh, you're telling me that this is harder to describe than me and John Markovich? I would argue yes. There's like a coherent story. Um, so this movie is about Gael Garcia Bernal. <laughs> him as no, a person. Him as a person. It follows his real life. No, okay, so... <laughs> Gael Garcia Bernal is the protagonist, we would call. His name is Stefan. Stefan. Right. Stefan. He, his father is Mexican. His mother is um, French. Parisian for French. And we come into his life just as his father recently died in Mexico to cancer. And his mother found a job for him in Paris and asked him to come to France. And he did. So he arrives in France. That's when we meet him. In fact, the whole thing's in France, right? The whole thing's in Paris. In Paris, yeah. Um, he then is going to work and his neighbor is moving a piano into her apartment and he offers to help and he gets injured when the piano falls on him in what is the film's most slapstick moment in a film full of silly moments. Um, <laughs> So then essentially it's a love story between Charlotte Gainsbourg and uh, Garlet, uh, Gael Bernal, but not in any sense of like the traditional way at all. This is the weirdest film and in a good way, I'm just saying it's like, it's surrealist, it's absurdist, much like John Malkovich. Um, and their relationship is very odd. And 
Also, there's the comic relief of his actual job where he's miserable in his mundane work. And Gail has always, they say in the film, uh, inverted what dreams are versus reality. And so there's this increasing, um, I don't know if it's a plot device, but there's increasingly you don't know if he's asleep and dreaming or if he's awake. And their relationship is almost asexual with Charlotte Gainsbourg. And it's like on again, off again. And it's it's just weird at some points he holds a talk show in his dream he always holds a talk show on his dream yeah yeah it doesn't start at some point but like he he has this talk show and i i don't know it's just so i mean the only thing that i would add to that is that basically as they describe Gael garcia vernal is a very imaginative young guy and he actually likes to just take like the absurd ideas that you will have on a dream to reality and just using his imagination and how he connects with the neighbor with Charlotte Gainsbourg is actually to that. Because he's almost like that, but she can actually function as a regular human being. Um so let's get to scoring. <laughs> <laughs> so did you like it? I did overall, and um, for some reason, I didn't see this movie, even though I was well aware of it, and in my mind, I thought it was rated PG. It's not. It's very rated R um, for some nudity and sexual content. There's no... You can see Guy Garcia Bernal's dick. Yes, and also he works at a calendar company, and there's lots of nude women in the calendars. Um, And yes, Gail's pelo? Oye? I, I don't know. I can't keep track of all the terms for dick in Spanish. Um, his dick does show up, which it's lovely. And um, I've missed it since Ichu Mama Tambien. <laughs> okay. um, yes, I did like it. For some reason, I didn't see it in 2006. I think it's because I had such strong feelings about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind when it mm-hmm. came out in 2004. I loved it. And I oh. didn't want oh. to like be disappointed by Michelle Gondry. Oh, okay. But- something I didn't like. That's my guess as to why I didn't see it 15 years ago when it came out. Um, It's interesting that we just watched Being John Malkovich because you can compare them a lot, except I think that Michelle Gondry's world is a little bit um, nicer and cuter and where... uh, Well, I mean, I think that in this one, it's also like he's focusing on trying to depict a world that is dreamlike. That's true. And in, a, in an interesting sharp contract to contrast to Spike Jones, who embraced uh, special effects, Michelle Gondry avoided all of them and preferred stop motion oh, yeah. uh, effects. Um, and he builds these beautiful worlds out of like day-to-day uh, materials oh, and this, fabrics yeah. and items. And it's really, really captivating what he does. It, it, the, yeah. the dream world he's able to create is really stunning. And it feels like trying to describe what this film is, it's like trying to describe a dream, right? Like it made sense to you in the morning and it had some sort of emotional impact. But then when you try and tell your boyfriend or your, your sister, your or your friend, whatever, yeah. it doesn't mean anything to them. Um, so for that, I liked it. I think Gail is very strong. I think Charlotte Gainsbourg is incredibly strong. Um, it's good but I don't think it's impactful. And 
I'm sorry to jump to one of the questions we talk about at the end. I kept thinking I'm enjoying this, but I'm not going to remember this. Funny enough, I remember half of it. Is that the only thing that I didn't remember it was the ending. I thought that the ending was like, okay, they actually go on the date. And then they end up like just arguing about something. And just uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg, like telling Gallagher Bernal, is that I cannot help you, just get out of my life. But it's not like that. It's a bit more like, what I like on this time watching this movie that I didn't realize is about like the nuances, about like how the characters are developed. They are not like a one-dimensional characters. They actually have like way more to them about like the fear of rejection, you know, and about like what about if I'm actually using my dreams as a way for actually protecting myself from being damaged, but at the same time, I want to be with the other person. And his friend from well, his friend from work, this guy, guy, I'm guy, like guy, that. yeah, yeah, that one was amazing, and I found him a bit hot, you know. But uh, how he tells him that is a oh he may be like one of those persons that uh, one of those people that is going to be like just projecting these kind of insecurities and is going to be like just pushing people away if you get too close and that's what Gael Garcia Bernal does is that he's the kind of person that says, I want to connect to other people I I have like this imagination that I want to share with the world and he finds like the perfect fit for him that is the neighbor but at the same time he's afraid of just being rejected because internally he's just a kid that he never grew up. I completely agree with you. I think it definitely explores all of what you said, particularly the fear of rejections getting in the way of what you want. But also at some point he pursues her pretty aggressively and she's like, oh, I don't want a boyfriend. But come on. I mean, the thing that I actually, even I almost like solidify that is like, okay, you were not too interested on her until she told you that she's not interested in you or anyone. <laughs> and at that point is when you're like, oh no, I really want this person. So I felt like, okay, you know, I, I have that, you know, you know, I, I sort of just suffered through that in the past. So, so to it, add a little bit to the, just the plot description, when sure. the piano falls on him, he meets Charlotte Gainsbourg and her friend sure. Zoe. And um, he's initially very smitten with Zoe and wants to use Charlotte Gainsbourg to get to her friend. And then once, just as you mentioned, she says she's not interested, then all of a sudden he's the love of her life and the only interesting person in the world. Well, because I think that he was just indexing from the perspective of Soy, the, the, the neighbor's friend, she's like a gorgeous Parisian girl. She's almost like, okay, she's like perfect from a body perspective. But then when she started like just talking with the neighbor, is that she actually realized like we are the same soul. We are like, we actually share the same kind of spirit about like just using imagination and just rolling with it. I did find there was a, a wonderful sense of a, a cycle being completed. I'm not saying this very eloquently, but the um, symmetry of how the story began and he put the note under her door and took it back. And then at the end, she has the note for him. Like there is so much thought put into this film that I'm sure I could watch it five times and discover some thoughtful thing that Michel Gondry put in that I never noticed. You can tell there's a lot here and this film was created with a lot of care. Yeah, yeah, I had to say that I, I told you that I was this one, like probably like, close to its release. I mean, it was released in 2006, maybe I watched it in 2008. And I, I liked it, but I also felt like, eh, you know, this is like one of those exercises of uh, aesthetics over substance, you know. 
now that I watch it again, I think that there is more substance than I realized the first time. That is, like, it's pretty easy to just over index about like how dreamy some of the scenes are, but I think that the parts where they are developing the characters are decent. Are like they have like just a justification for actually having like a full movie about this. It's not an excuse to just have like an scene with Gal Garcia Bernal having gigantic hands and not being able to operate. So that the fun fact that's a, a real reoccurring nightmare that Michelle Gondry had as a child. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He actually wanted to be an inventor and a painter as a child, and he became oh. a filmmaker. Um, so I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I would argue that, for instance, Stefan Gael Garcia Bernal, I don't think he was well developed as a character. I mean, he was just kind of like shown to be a child, but that's not character development. No, but the thing is like he's portrayed as a child, you know, with this uh, Peruvian hat. I don't know exactly what is the official name for those. <laughs> this wool uh, oh, the, hats. Yeah. yeah, with the uh, hat cover, with the ear cover. But um, he actually is forced to progress as a human being when he meets another adult you know when she actually when he actually means that okay you have like this other like child spirit you know like kid spirit that is uh, your neighbor but at the same time it's, it's an adult it's like it's someone that just embraces that fantasy that you have about dreams and impossible things but it can operate in the real world you cannot operate on the real world so he's like just facing that conundrum about like i'm in love with her because I can actually see what I could be and we actually serve something in common. I couldn't disagree with you more, man. Like the the guy we met when he arrived in Paris, he was a reasonable adult human being. He explained what has happened to him. He went to his work. And at the end, he becomes so childish that he can't handle any sort of feedback that's negative and he sobs himself asleep in Stephanie's <laughs> bed like he digressed from being but digression doesn't mean that it cannot be negative sorry uh, progression of a character doesn't mean that it cannot be negative right but you were saying that he was forced to progress I don't think so he no. completely regressed well, he forced to evolve but he actually chose to actually think that is that Luke and actually just being faced with this other human being that is like me, but it can operate in the real world when it's pretty clear that I can't. So instead of actually just racing to the occasion, like racing to the challenge, is that he actually just regress and say like, okay, it's going to be easier for me to just try to make her hate me. So yeah, he I agree me. with that. That self-sabotaging thing. Yeah. I, yeah. And initially what he does when he actually gets his date with her is that when he's about to get there, is that, is that fear about like just finding the old, sorry, the CEO, like a homeless person and getting scared. Is that, no, she left. Is that, that's actually his subconscious. Is that his subconscious is actually just telling him, is that, look, if you never face her, you're never going to be like fooling sorry like falling fully in love with her and you're never going to be like potentially at some point like just facing rejection for her you see actually wants to break up so it's a self-defense mechanism so just because of what you're saying i would like you to interpret the final 
excuse me, the final scene of this film and tell me what it meant. I think that there is a point. They're really similar, you know, both of the characters, but he says at a point that he wanted to protect the neighbor. Uh, what's her name? The name of the character? Stephanie. 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 Yeah. Uh, because Stephanie. Michelle Gondry wanted you to be very clear, they're, they're two people cut from the same cloth. Yeah. So <laughs> Stefan wants to protect Stephanie. And he actually says, is that, oh, I thought that Stephanie needed protection and I wanted to be like just the knight in the signing armor for her. But she doesn't. She doesn't need that protection. She's like a grown up woman. He's like, she doesn't need anyone. And uh, Stephanie, at the end of the day, she also has that part in common when she goes into the bed about like, okay, I want to leave, fuck you. But at the same time, I want to just try your bed because I saw it on my dreams. But he goes up there. I said, just touch my hair, just made me feel like this kid that is being protected. And she's like, I don't want to do that. But at the end, she actually feels this kind of, I can see myself like partially reflected in this human being, but I also can see myself like just wanting to protect him. But that's not the final scene. Oh, you mean like the horse? Like just yeah. going what, is it, what does that mean? What, did they end up together? They... We don't know that. We don't know that. But it's like I probably what I envision in my mind is that that's the dream that he has. That he's falling asleep while Stephanie is just caressing him. It's okay. And just dreaming about the stuff that we have in common. That is like the horse that I stole from her house for just adding an engine. Golden it. boy, right? Is that the yeah. name? Pony the yeah, Golden Boy. Yeah, Pony the Boy. I think so. <laughs> and, uh, from that perspective, it's like he's just mixing up like different things and a desire about like, I want us to be together. I want us to be in this dream world that I envision where we don't have to face the outside world. But the difference between them is that he's partially afraid of, he's not prepared to face in the outside world. And she is. For her, it's a bit more like just doing this kind of crazy stuff. It's cool, you know, but it's a distraction. And uh, so a, a distraction. what defines her. Exactly. But for him it is. For him it's like, I'm going to have like this time travel machine. And she will roll with that. She will find it funny and cute, but it's not who she is. Interesting. Maybe that's the reason she didn't want to be boyfriends with him is because she liked him a lot, but she saw that he is a very limited human being. Yeah. Who the a funny, child, essentially. Yeah, the funny thing is that the reading that I have from the first time that I watched this movie, and you know what I remember, is that she basically realizes about this and she tells him, I don't want anything with you because you are not a functioning adult human being. But didn't she say she didn't want a, a boyfriend? It's not that she rejected him. She didn't. Exactly. Want but at the end, is that you know that a couple of scenes later, she's like, okay, go with me on a date. And at that point, is that he actually displays that he's a kid. And that is, like, oh, no, no. I'm too afraid of you. So I'm going to be like just making a story that you actually just left. And I'm going to be like just knocking on your door and then just crashing into your door. So assuming your reading is correct, and to be honest, it's, I'm starting to agree with you, but <laughs> if that's correct, what is the point of this film? To watch some infantile grown man uh, sabotage himself in a relationship? What is the point of being John Malkovich? <laughs> no, you said that this is, this is a higher, more like elevated film that explores oh. a lot of like... No, 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 no. I'm, I, look, we're not getting to the score yet or to the specifics, you know. 
I love being John Malkovich. I think that this surprised me the second time because I thought that it's like one of these like a uh, form of our substance. But now I feel like there is a bit more of substance. I think that the message there is like a, just detaching from reality. It may actually make you happier. It can make you happier. You know, that the science of sleeps that come across, but at the same time is that you're not going to be able to connect with other human beings because that's something that you cannot do in a dream because even Guy Garcia Bernal imagines Charlotte Gainsbourg in his dreams but she's like a bit more of a cheerier version and he always rolls out with whatever he says but in reality he's like I am going to be like facing you with some of the bullshit that you're doing and at that point he's like you have to just behave as an adult you know as a human being so what is it that you think the point of this film is the point of this film what would you say that is the point of being John Malkovich I'm sorry to actually just keep bringing being John Malkovich but we talk about it with somebody. this is some this is something called deflection and you're not allowed to do it just answer the damn question <laughs> and um I said the last podcast that I don't think there's much to John Malkovich or being John Malkovich that he just wanted to be entertaining and weird and it it's super entertaining and that's don't, all that I think it's trying to be. Don't you think that this is also super entertaining and weird? I wouldn't say it's entertaining on the same level as John Malkovich. Okay, no, not that's uh, fair. About, about like, I don't know, 80% of the way through, I was like, oh, we gotta wrap this up. This is like, it's too much. The first time that I watched it, I agree with you, is that this is only the second time that I watched this movie and I felt like significantly more engaged. What I would say is that it actually falls into the magic realities. You know, it actually just reminded me of Amelie by just going to the Bjork video clip, you know, Bjork music video <laughs> area about, okay, you are like just making it like really weird right now. But uh, I think that the point is that it's great to just try to evade reality and just try to just detach from the bad stuff and the shitty stuff that is happening in your life, like the job that you have that is not fulfilling or, you know, the relationship that doesn't keep materializing with someone that you really like. But at the same time, is that at some point you need to face what is going on. Is that you cannot keep evading what is going on. So you would say this this film has a message? No. I think that it's also like similar to being John Malkovich. If you force me to come up with a message, I would tell you a message. But it's also a movie that is going to be okay with just being visually appealing. I'm not trying to force you into a corner, but I'm curious when you say that this film has more substance than being John Malkovich, because I don't... Oh, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm just saying okay. that, I'm just saying that it's a both of them, they are on the same kind of league. Okay, yeah, you know? that's fair. Now, what I said is that the first time that I watched it, I thought that this is completely empty. Completely. You know, it's just a narration about like, something completely random and just making a bit more like dreamlike. And now I felt that the script was better than what I thought. You know, that they actually like a bit more of, you know, like development on the characters, that there's another layer to it that is not about like just trying to make it look cool on the screen. I will say that for whatever reason, my idea of this film was tainted when just going into it is the reason I never watched it despite me loving Gail and loving Michelle Gondry um, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would uh, 
I That's thought cool. it was a really good film. It was interesting. The special effects, which aren't like computer generated, it, it's really beautiful. The way he manages to mix the dream world with reality, I thought it was just so perfectly representative of my own experience with sleep and dreams. Um, I, yeah, I, I was impressed with this film, to be honest. And it's been a long time since I've seen a Michelle Gondry film that I liked. <laughs> what was the last one that you watched? <laughs> uh, um, let me see. I mean, he hasn't, in my opinion, produced much of anything no. good in the last 10 years. Well, like, he hasn't produced too much stuff, to be fair. A lot of shorts. Yeah, I think the last one was Microbe and Gasoline. Oh, see, and that trailer super turned me off, but maybe it's fantastic. Uh, I I sold him short with Science of Sleep. Oh, you saw it? I saw it, yeah, and it's, it's okay. You know, it's the kind of thing, it's like he he has a style. He, he has something that he loves to do. You know, this kind of, let's use imagination as we were like just kids. It's like if you actually just put kids on the roll, <laughs> it's like you even just lose the kind of contrast that you have in this movie that I think that is interesting about like, yeah, you cannot operate as a kid because you are no longer a kid. You have to face the challenges of life. So, but it's still so it looks cool. like in the last 10 years, the only two feature length films he, he directed was that and uh, The Green Hornet. So yeah, I can confirm in the last 10 years, he hasn't done shit. <laughs> I didn't watch The Green Hornet, but Okay, I go, I go believe you. <laughs> well, in 2009, he did do one episode of Flight of the Concords. I'm sure that was a very good episode. I love that Probably. show. Oh, you do? I'm surprised about that. Why? Because you're the one who doesn't like comedy, not me. That's true. But it's like the thing is that this is a very slightly uncomfortable comedy. I love the British office, Jose. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, that's fair. Uh, so, would you recommend this movie? To be honest, I don't think I would. I'm thinking of all the people I talk to. That's about five, six people, including you. I don't know that anybody I know would be interested in this film. I don't know that anybody would appreciate it. I think it's a very niche audience that is, this film is for. Would you recommend it to me? No. Huh. Uh, but that's saying more about me, obviously, than you. You like <laughs> the film. Um, I... But there's nothing in this film that I'm like, wow, this is this is incredible. It's solid. It's good. But if somebody comes to me and says, hey, can you recommend me a really good film? This is never a film that's going to pop up as this. What about if someone tells you, I love Amelie, can you recommend me another film like that? Uh, Amelie, you said? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I would recommend Delicatessen. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That seems the most like Amelie to me. <laughs> Holy shit, no. I mean, they're directed by the same people, but they're like the, you know, exactly the opposite. But it has that same atmosphere of this dreamlike world, but... Sure, like the lost of this. God, that's a dark movie, man. Is that they eat people? <laughs> I only remember very little about that film. Maybe we should watch it, yeah, because I watched it on a VHS. You know, when we're like wow. just start like just recording, so like just uh, renting all these movies, and I felt shocked by the movies that they're eating people. We watched this movie in high school French class to learn French better. <laughs> Delicatessen. Yeah. 
How old were you? Uh, let's see, I was 16 and 17. Okay, I mean, maybe I'm okay the age for that, but... I'm pretty sure we watched the whole thing. I think they showed us the scene that was fine, because we lived in a rural Idaho, which is, you know, like, uh, Puritans. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it was 13 when I watched it, and I was extremely freaking shocked by the movie. But to get back to your point, would you, would I recommend this to somebody who liked Amelie? I, this movie doesn't connect to anything. I didn't feel any big emotions when I watched it, which for me, huh. like okay. feeling big emotions is why I watch movies. I want to feel something larger than I experience in my day-to-day life. So I, I don't know if this film is just too subtle for me, or maybe I'm not interested in love stories. Something about it just didn't work. No, all right, no. Wait, I want to be clear. I think the film works 100%. I liked it. It's just not something that stands out as something to be recommended. Okay. Are you going to remember this movie? I honestly, I don't think so. I mean, it, it, I'll probably remember snippets, but I won't remember any details. I'll remember Gael Garcia's Bernal's dick. So what do you think of, uh, from the aesthetics perspective, is this artistically pleasing? Yeah, yeah. The, I think I said before, the world he's able to create, the dream world, it's really beautiful. It's not my aesthetic, but I can appreciate it 100%. I, I think it's awesome. I think the idea that they connected about this boat and he helped contribute to this idea of trees in a boat looking for the sea, which is mare, which sounds like mother. Uh, yeah that motif that showed up over and over again. I, there's a lot that's really cool here. A lot. I Yes. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, I would recommend this movie. I actually did recommend it yesterday sure. it's, uh, uh, to a friend that he realized uh, magic realism. So uh, I told him, it's okay, if you watch Amelie, as I know that you like uh, uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez books, you know about like magic realism is like a thing that you would like this because it's the same idea it's about like just looking at the daily basis daily life and just finding something crazy that it could happen anywhere so you would recommend it when you know somebody likes this type of film but you wouldn't recommend it to an average film viewer mm, but it is i think that it's enjoyable i think that it's like pretty easy to digest i it is, and i enjoyed it yeah, I think it's like it's good entertainment. Even if you don't want to really like too much into it, is that the visual aspects are like so easy to consume. That I think that is fine. And the thing is like after Michelle Country directed this, I think that he directed uh, Please Be Kind, Rewind. No, 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 that was before. Before. Oh, it was before this. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh... Just because we looked at his last ten years. No, oh, no, 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 it's after, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's after, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like 2006, 2008. And the thing is, they uh, be kind rewind, is like it also just, le- it actually just builds on the idea of just this imagination on the daily basis and this kind of heartwarm feeling. You know, Did I think you that. you like be kind rewind? I thought that it was like, one of the most less transcendental movies that I ever watched in my life. That is, like, if you have to give a cute. score right now, one to 10, what would you score? 5.5, 6 is a bit more like, eh, it was cute. You know? I don't know if I was in the wrong frame of mind, but I would give it a 2. I hated that movie. <laughs> I thought, this is tripe that convinces, like, 
uh, convinces like lowest common denominator cinema goers, oh, this is cinema, it's so creative. No, this was a very basic stupid idea. I honestly, I don't feel like he was trying to be anything else more than a visual entertainment at all. Like, oh yeah, we have to recreate all these 80s and 90s classes, <laughs> you know, with zero budget. I found it like super cute, but at the same time, he's like, I found it super cute. It's non-transcendental whatsoever. It's a bit more like you had, you had a good idea, you actually played okay. But even for some reason, you hired Jack Black to carry this piece of shit script. <laughs> it's a comedy. It's a, it's a comedy. Sure, if you want to go with that, sure. Yeah, that's fine. Like, I told you, I watched it, and it was like one of those movies that, okay, I finished watching it. I'm never going to be like, thinking about this again. If someone just mentioned Missile Country, I will remember that I watched it. And I will remember like the premise of the movie, but I barely remember any scene. I only remember like the premise of it. So I liked. Uh... I liked this movie more than that, but I feel like everything you just said describes it. It's a good idea. It was beautiful, and I will never think about this film again. Honestly, if, if you had asked me like two weeks ago before I picked this movie about how I felt about it, I may actually say something like that about like this is all form over substance. There is nothing to it. And I don't know if this time I was like just looking really, really hard for just having like a saving grace. But I found it. I mean, I was impressed by it. Honestly, it's like I felt, I felt like, okay, you have like a bit more to it than it actually just meets the eye. If you only like just stay with the visual aspect, that is good. So I would recommend this movie. And, you know, not only to a specific people, I think that it's like if for some other people, they ask me about, oh, can you recommend me like a crazy movie from the 2000s? I will be like just thinking for a moment. It may not be my first, second, third, fourth peak. But eventually, <laughs> maybe not the seventh, eighth, ninth, maybe not. The uh, but I, I, I will get to it. I can see myself <laughs> like just, you know, I can actually just having like this dream about like seeing myself telling to some other human being, this was the science of a state. It's a good movie. All right, that's fair. And uh, yeah. I suppose in the right, with the right person who has the right interests, it's not that I wouldn't say, don't watch this movie. <laughs> I, I did like it. I feel like I'm being overly critical because I enjoyed my time with the film. I just think it's going to be this, it's not going to stay with me. Um, no, it's completely fair. I think that it is stuck with me when I watched it the first time. And now I, I develop a bit more of an interest for it. And I, I asked you before we started uh, recording this, if you had read any kind of interview with Michelle Gondry about it, because I'm curious to see if there's like some kind of a self-experience that you mentioned that uh, the house is something that he dreamed about and it's one of the most iconic points of it. But come on, didn't you think about Bachelorette, the, uh, the music video? while watching this. Oh, I was like, wasn't there a movie called Bachelorette? It was good. Oh. It was really good, starring Kirsten Dunst. Um, <laughs> I, you know, to be honest, I'm well aware that Bjork discovered him and boosted him to superstardom, but I didn't want to come, like, this was a conscious choice not to think about his music videos because they're such different mediums that I was like, nope, I need to just experience the film for what it is and not because I'm obsessed with Bjork. <laughs> uh, that's completely fair. I agree. There we there is a, there are like two different uh, types of work, but uh, I saw like some kind of correlation about like he has an aesthetic that is like pretty clear that he actually just reuses in uh, Be Kind Rewind, 
about like just finding this dreamlike property from mm, everyday elements. It it is like he has a visual grammar. It's like we were talking about Charlie Kaufman in the last one. He knows what tools are in his toolbox and he uses them beautifully, but they are a limited amount of tools. The same yeah. goes and that's not a negative. I'm not saying they're restrictive yeah, yeah. in their skills. It's the same with Michel Gondry. He knows what he's good at and he builds these worlds very well. Yeah, but the interesting thing about this movie that I think is that he actually just tries to face the contrast about like, what about if someone were living by those tools? You know? And it's like, how could he actually just react into human life if his way of just coping with reality is just looking at his toolbox? And say like this is this is my reality, but it's like I actually live in a real world out there. So I think like I don't know if there may be like some kind of autobiographical perspective to it. I, I'm sure there are. I, I can't remember if we said this while recording, but when he was a child, he wanted to be an inventor and a painter, and Gael Garcia Bernal is both an, both an inventor and an illustrator. He's having the same uh, nightmares that Gondry had as a child. Uh, so it would be interesting to learn more about the film. I agree. Um, I would recommend it to the right person. I think the artistry, I was saying to you definitely before we recorded, I don't understand how someone can come up with a script like this in, in their mind. It's incredibly <laughs> complex and, and beautiful and beyond my imaginative skills. Um, overall, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Gotcha. Uh, should we score this then? Yeah, but you go first. <laughs> My score is an eight. Mine is a seven. I okay. think it's definitely, definitely better than mediocre. Um, <laughs> but for me, there's a limit to how long the movie will stay with me. Yeah, I mean, if you had actually asked me my score before we rewatch it, I would probably be a seven or a seven point five tops. But after rewatching it this second time, I felt. I mean, it, it, it got to a point that it actually just clicked with me. That is like, okay, there is like some campiness to it. There is some stupidity to it. But at the same time, there is there is heart in it. And there is actually like just proper development of things yep, that I, I was not agree. expecting. Yeah, that there, I was not <laughs> expecting to see it. Is that now I actually like this movie more than when I watched it like 12 years ago or whenever I watched it. I would be disappointed if Michelle Gondry had done this, but I found myself at the very end craving resolution. I think it works better without it, but I just wanted to know how <laughs> things ended up for these two characters. And that showed that it made me care about them, which is not that common for me. Yeah, I think that it, he does that completely on purpose. I mean, because it's not the point about like, if they end up together or not, it's a bit more like just displaying that two imaginative people that probably they are like, both of them are him, they are Michelle Gondry, you know, yeah. how they actually just evolve in a different way and can they actually just converge into just a single unit. So well, now you're making me like the film more. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I, I, I was surprised, you know, I honestly, I was surprised that it's like, holy shit, it's, like, it's pretty easy to just think about this movie and only think about like Gael Garcia Bernal with these giant hands, like just bopping into everything and just pointing them, you know, like just pushing them away or the guy, guy just making very inappropriate jokes, like just calling, uh, calling them like lesbians and, uh, and faggots. <laughs> that was so funny, but also it was like, yeah, hey, this doesn't work in 2020, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> say, look, this was 13 years ago. At that point, it was already weird. The job that you were <laughs> the, doing. The, the guy, the guy being called all the names. He's like, faggots was one thing, but to call me a dyke. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, yeah, that I don't go through that. Is at that point I look that's yeah. But at the same time, I feel like this is the kind of absurd like French comedy. You know, yeah. that is like we cannot forget that Michel Gondry is still French. You know, it's it's very, 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 very French. But in any case, his most famous movie is The Eternal Sunset of the Spotless Mind with Charles Kaufman. And that's actually an American movie. Well, that's because we're exceptional. Would you be down to watch that? <laughs> of course I would, yeah. I would watch, I've seen that movie several times. Um, yeah, I think that is his most famous film. I swear there was some. Oh, I was thinking of the Radiohead music videos. <laughs> that's his most famous stuff. <laughs> that's, that's what everyone loves about him. Uh, man, he did Isabel. He did Army of Me. Hyper Ballad. Uh, yeah, I love Hyper Ballad. And Marcelo Root. I don't know if we've shared this story on the podcast, but Jose and I met for the first time at a Bjork concert, which is a very <laughs> special story for me. Yeah. It's like Bjork gave me Jose. Thanks, Bjork. Yeah, and I say, yeah, he said, yeah, it's a very specific story for Blake. <laughs> <laughs> Jose doesn't care. I don't care. <laughs> no, yeah, that concert was it was amazing. Yeah, and the setting and everything, it was like pretty, uh, a very unique setting. Um, but yeah, I had the feeling that it's like it's very interesting that a director that it was like so visual with this video clips with a very specific visual style. I'm impressed that he could make something like this. I, I completely agree. The, the world he created in his mind is is really really impressive. Yeah, and it's melancholic sometimes because you know there is like this kind of sad feeling of a uh, Garcia Bernal having like just lost his parents and just being at different country where he barely speaks the language and maybe I can correlate with that. And also at the same time like very imaginative and very uplifting. And as a kid, loves to just look at everything with magic eyes. You know, like just. Rose tainted, rose tainted, uh, pink tainted, uh, uh, rose colored glasses. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. I I feel like it's a a magic movie. I don't think that it's as good as being John Malkovich, of course, because that actually has like the uh, twist of having Charles Kaufman writing the script. But that's the other reason why I love. Uh, I would love to actually for us watching adaptation and also at the time of the Spotless Mind. That I think that is like the peak. Of Charles Kaufman as a screenwriter, and also Spike Jones, Spike Jones, and uh, and uh, Michel Gondry as directors. I have to say, the pairing of the two movies was very, very nice. It was nice to have them compare and contrast. Yeah. Uh, so at some point in the future, if you want to do adaptation and Eternal Sunshine, that's fine. Yeah. We've both seen both of those. Oh yeah. For me, Science of Sleep was new. You had seen it. Yeah. Oh, that one's already on the list. Man, he did Human Nature. Yep. Knives out. Ugh, massive attack. What? <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, he did protection. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the video clip. You saw this thing. So I was just reading. Uh, he, when he went to school, he joined. They created a band. He and his friends, and they released two <laughs> albums. And he directed a music video for their, their band. And that's what was shown in whatever form uh, on MTV. And Bjork saw that music video and said, hey, 
come to the music videos, which I think is a really cool story. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is really pretty nice. So, did you see that uh, actually they record a music video on this one, on this movie? That is like all the people from the office and a guy Garcia Bernal dress up like cats, like furry cats. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they actually sing a version of a song from by the Velvet Underground. If you close the door, and that's yeah, yeah. forever. So I felt like that's pretty ingenious that you are still like just connecting with what are your roots that you're not like just dropping that. No, I'm impressed. I, I am impressed with Michel Gondry as a whole. Uh, he's clearly a very thoughtful, imaginative guy, yeah. creative. Um, I I liked the movie. Yeah, I mean the thing is, uh, if I think about like Microbe and Gasoline or Be Kind Rewind, I had the feeling that those fell short because the script was not as developed as this one. But this one is like I had the feeling that he put a lot of time into it. Yeah, I agree. So. This is a much much stronger script. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's as strong as Eternal Sunshine, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Eternal Sunshine is placing a different league of its own. That's the reason why I think that is like, it's, it's perfect, like just having a, such an imaginative screenwriter pair with such an imaginative director. And this is the second Michel Gondry thing we've reviewed? Do you remember the first? No. What did we review? Tokyo. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did. What was the? Uh, I mean, I, and oh, he did the, I, the story about the woman turning into a chair because no one was paying attention to her. That was okay. That was amazing. I really just remember like the other two stories, but I have to say that that was a bit more like toned down compared to what out there missile country is. But I also appreciate it because the film asked seven non-Japanese directors to make a film dedicated to Three. Tokyo, so that... Yeah, yeah, sorry. What did I say? Seven? Seven, yeah. That's weird. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate that he was able to bring his talents and meet the mission of Show Us Tokyo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, we mentioned it back then, but I think that out of the seven stories... Sorry, the three stories again. Uh, of the three stories, probably his was my favorite agreed i don't i remember leo's carax because that was bizarre i don't even remember bong jun ho's oh but is the robot the guy who wouldn't leave the he wouldn't leave the house yeah. and he had the pizza boxes okay yeah, yeah yeah and then the girl but the girl is an android kind of thing yeah it's it was weird the tattoo buttons yeah i mean the thing is that they leo carax did his suit he just completely disconnected from it. He like, did I'm going to blow up Tokyo. A homeless man's going to throw bombs. Okay, yeah. got it. Uh, that looks like a leprechaun. And the uh, um, Bojong, who I think that he tried really hard, he's like, okay, what is Tokyo about? He said, Tokyo's about this futurist thing and people are staying indoors. And he tried like really hard. And I think that the only one that just came up with something that it was like pretty intimate and nice, and actually just still like fit where we like the atmosphere, it was Michelle Country. But I still I just yeah. made it like visually appealing. I, I loved her, the fact that she she was horrified about turning into a chair, but then she realized, uh -huh. yeah, she just wanted cool. to hold somebody up. I'll be a chair. Yeah, I can be happy being a chair. Yeah, so from that perspective, I I think that Michelle Country is a good director, and I wish that he was a bit more prolific, 
but also I wish that he worked with other people on the scripts is like this one works but I can assure you that if we talk about Be Kind Rewind it's just like you say that too I don't think that I will get to the 5 on that one I mean well I mean it probably will be like 5 I say like 5.56 but if I rewatch it again maybe I'm going to be a bit more critical about it I think that this is something that it, it works It's Maybe good. I was just in a bad state of mind when I watched it, but I remember leaving the theater angry that I had just spent time and money on this. Like, this was a waste of time. Yeah, something that I wanted to ask you is like, how did you feel about like, just, uh, sorry, like, just seeing uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg in a movie with all the like, two giant uh, big black things like, flopping around? She, so she is in like Lars von Trier's most fucked up films, like, Consist like Antichrist. Let's not even talk about any scene in Antichrist. <laughs> and the film took place in Europe, and so it felt like yeah, like she was just gonna be spit roasted by two giant dicks at any moment. Like it didn't fit into this dreamlike world with innocent guy Garcia Bernal. Like no, you've got to jack off Willem Dafoe until he ejaculates blood. That's the <laughs> only God. way to this. <laughs> yeah, but I actually it actually shows the cease more talented than I thought. Oh, I'll I leave it there. She was a great actress, but... Um... Yeah. yeah, I think that I was like a bit on the fence with uh, Independent Day Resurgence, but this is actually just <laughs> solid for me. <laughs> Fuck you. That's, of all of her movies, that's not the one you can bring up. You're a dick. <laughs> It's one of his movies. It's like the number fifth in, uh, in Google <laughs> when you search for it. Oh, her, t her title film on the IMDb is Antichrist, so... <laughs> Great. Yeah, <laughs> call you, man. Yeah, she was the sister. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, honestly, I think that she was good. Guy Garcia Bernal was good. I mean, actually, he was really good. Yeah, he I think was. that I... Was, I liked his performance. Yeah. I. What would you say that is your favorite movie with Guy Garcia Bernal? Into Mama también. I mean, I can only pick one. Yeah, only one. <laughs> um, I would. Probably say Itumon Tambien. Huh. Although I have to say, as a salt and pepper daddy in Mozart in the Jungle, yes, please. How uh, was that? Yeah, for me, I think that it would be Amores Perros. I love See, that and movie. that's something I haven't seen and we've talked about <sighs> many times. Okay, adding it to the list. Let's see if I can oh, force you know it to. It's my pick, so. Sure, if you want to go with Amores Perros. I had picked a, a Brazilian film that over one million Brazilians saw. Um, but I, <laughs> I love that. I think that maybe I want uh, to... I think that it's actually an Amazon uh, video. All right, let's do it. So, uh, Amores Perros, then? Oh, I did like The King. You hated The King, but I thought it was so cool. What was The, the King? He's like the bastard son of a, of a preacher. And he goes and wants to have a relationship, but they kind of reject him, so he murders everyone. Did I watch this? I'm pretty sure I asked you to watch it, and you hated it, and I was like, oh no. Maybe I, I, I hated it so much that I completely forgot about it, man, but I, I don't remember it. Oh, uh, The Limits of Control I really liked, but you don't like, um, you don't like that director. At all. You don't like it. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, no, I don't like Injustice Man. I mean, it's. Yeah, no. No, I'm sorry. The reason even has. Um, 
the one woman I would go straight for. Tilda oh, you, Tilda <laughs> I don't know if Tilda Swinton would be considered like going straight for, you know, she's so androgynous <laughs> that it's like, it works both ways. Like, you can just keep your sexuality. It's fine. I'll try to go straight for Kate Winslet, so that's definitely the only woman. <laughs> that's true. Uh, did you watch uh, Neruda? Isn't that like an anime thing? No, Neruda, based on Pablo Neruda. Oh, no. I saw that trailer come out. It was like a couple years ago, right? And I yeah, like, three years ago. I have no tolerance for Nazis in Argentina. It's a little too close to home. <laughs> okay. No, that's fair. Uh, yeah, that was okay. That was an okay movie. Did you watch No? Uh, it's just a movie called No? No. N-O. Nope. With Gary Garcia Bernal. And it's about like the referendum that it in the 80s uh, on Chile for uh, kicking uh, Pinochet from the power. Hmm, interesting. And Guy Garcia Bernal plays like the marketing director for the No campaign. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I, I really do like him, but he doesn't often pick projects that I'm interested in. But when he does, I'm like this. I want more of this. Hmm. I think that it's a, an actor that he is still, is not like the, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think if Penelope Cruz or Bartem, they actually have moved into just making American movies, you know, but he's still like in contact with like, no, I, I want to still like, just make Spanish speaking movies from time to time. Yeah, he and Diego Luna still do tons of partnerships, which I think is cool. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, next week, we next time we're watching then Amores Perros. Yes, a last minute pivot. I had my film picked out, but uh, Gael Garcia's Bernal's dick has a lot of, a lot of power. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, that's great. Anything else to say about uh, the science of sleep? No, just just I, I really enjoyed it. I feel like I may have come off too negative. I did enjoy the film a lot, so it's anyone should check it out if they like Michelle Gondry. Definitely, yeah. And if you don't like them, you have to just see something that feels like visually appealing. This is still good. Yep. There is it's more good. to it. Yeah, there is more to it, but it's, I think there is like an entertainment that is like, even for face value, it's good. But if you keep digging, that's the reason why I went with an eighth. It's like, I think that there is more. Remind me what you scored being John Malkovich, 8.5? 8.5, yeah. I still think that it's a better movie. <laughs> I think Which that is, yeah. Yeah, I think that it's okay. The message may be a bit lower, you know, whatever. I mean, the message maybe they both of them they are like a bit weak on the message, but I think that from a directing and from a screenplay perspective, being John Malkovich is better. Agreed. But yeah, come cool, on. Anything else to say about this? Uh, nope. Good okay. choice. I liked yeah. it. Cool. So whoever is out there listening to us, just get alive. And besides that, thank you so much for listening. And wash your hands. Bye.